from Television City in Hollywood. Hey, man! Welcome to episode 92 of the Keep It To Yourself podcast, the most above-average podcast ever to hit your ear holes. My name, of course, and as always, is Jason Bullitt. The man's the hour. Woo! Too sweet to be sour, Jack. And here we are in the run-up to Thanksgiving here in New York's capital region. It's been getting dark around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, so there's a sign right there. Remember episode 91? Originally I was going to talk about autism and socializing, but then the Holly Sampson interview got recorded, so I decided to do that, and now I'm going to talk about this. It's an important topic, especially as we get into the holiday season and people in my friend circle get busy with their holiday plans too. We'll talk about that later on the show. But let's start with getting my social media plugs in the way here. Well, get them out of the way, I should say. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at keep underscore podcast. My civilian Instagram's at Jason underscore 51838. And there's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. So have a look there. Also, I just want to say that starting episode 91, you may have noticed a little addition to the teaser text of this podcast. You can now financially support this podcast by donating to my Venmo account, it's Venmo, V-E-N-M-O dot com forward slash my name, Jason, J-A-S-O-N hyphen B-U-L-L-E-T-T. So if you want to throw a few shekels my way, that's the way to do it. Not much happened in the week that was, but I do want to get another thing of housekeeping before we get into the meat of this episode. I decided that I'm going back to back. I'm recording this episode on Sunday, the 17th of November, 2019. And as I have tomorrow off for a dentist appointment, I'm going to record episode 93, which is going to be the Thanksgiving special. So you're going to get back to back episodes. 92 will come out this week. 93 will be the Thanksgiving episode, but I'm going to Record the bulk of that next Monday, and then get the Super 6 Pigskin Picks. Hello, made me feel great. Got choked up there a bit. The Super 6 Pigskin Picks for that episode will be recorded early Monday morning, so I can get that going for your Thanksgiving enjoyment. Rump Shaker by Rex in Effect, one hit wonder from 1992. That was number six on the Billboard Hot 100 this week in the year 1992. And every year of my life, well, from 83 onward, even though I was born toward the end of 82, so that doesn't really count. This is the 10th year we are doing in this series. We're just taking a little over-the-shoulder look back at the year 1992. And what a year it was in the news department. Domestically, we had yet another presidential election. Bill Clinton unseated George H.W. Bush to become this nation's 42nd president. But it was also a year of tragedy. Domestically, there was the race riots in Los Angeles following the beating of Rodney King by four Los Angeles cops. And then in April of 92, or towards the end of it, the four cops were determined to be not guilty. And trouble started from then on, as you can imagine. But nobody could really imagine the horrors that had taken place in Los Angeles during that time. 
and there is looting going on, police cars going by, and they're not stopping. What's the situation here? The situation is, y'all respect us, and we respect you, and okay. you're there, fuck you, fuck you. All told, 63 people lost their lives in the riots, almost 2,400 people were injured, and over 12,000 were arrested. And life in Los Angeles and Southern California, as you can well imagine, was messed up beyond all description. There was also a disaster on the environmental front in 1992. Hurricane Andrew, towards the end of August, went ashore in Miami and South Florida, did all sorts of damage there, and then went to New Orleans, the Gulf Coast, where the damage, I don't think, was anywhere as bad. It was like, this has been like almost 30 years ago. Hard to believe me saying that. Tell you what, uh, uh, maybe, Raphael, you could find a couple batteries here uh, to bring in here as we go in here so that we don't run out of... uh of power, although we're going to, I guess Tony has a mic in here that we can use no matter what happens battery-wise. Here we are, Ryan. We're all set. <laughs> we're all set. I'll tell you what, this is the safest spot, without without a doubt. What are you experiencing out there, Ken? Oh, Brian, we've had nothing but continual, relentless wind. We've had no lulls. We've had continuous wind. Right. You're, you're, uh, I'm sure your power is out, right? Yeah, we're watching you on a battery-powered uh, Oh, so you, okay, uh, battery powered television. All right. Uh, obviously, uh, your phone is is very very weak. Okay. So speak up as much as you can. All right. We've uh, we've been pretty lucky out here. We've only lost one window, but every once in a while we can hear some tiles coming off the top of the roof. We've lost most of our landscaping also. Apparently, a lot of people are calling. Almost as many people died as a result of this storm as they did in the riots. Sixty five. And there was plenty of damage done to South Florida and the southeastern United States. There was an important addition to the U.S. Constitution switching gears. The 27th Amendment was added to the United States Constitution, which prohibited any law that increased or decreased the salary of members of the United States Congress from taking effect until their next term. There was also big news that year around the world, too mainly in Europe. Czechoslovakia broke apart in the beginning of the following year. They would go into the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yugoslavia truly broken up in 1992 with Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia-Herzegovina, and Macedonia, now known as North Macedonia. So it was a big year for news in 1992. Big year in the world of sports, too. The Winter Olympics. This was the last year that the Winter Games would be held the same year as the Summer Games. You'll find out in future episodes. The Winter Olympics took place in Albertville, France. Chrissy Yamaguchi and Donna Weinbrecht were the big American names to come out of the games in France. That's how I got exposed to French culture. I've discussed in 1992, this is where I opened myself up to the world, 9, 10 years old. Helped mold me into the person I am today. What really put it over the edge was the Summer Olympics later that year in Barcelona, Spain. It got me interested in sports, too. The Dream Team in Basketball. These were all NBA players. They were the first time that NBA players were allowed to compete in the Olympics. It was perfect. It was right in the NBA offseason. Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Chris Mullen, Scottie Pippen, Patrick Ewing, and others all on the same team. Hard to believe that. Including Christian Lehner, who had himself a heck of a year in 92, when the Duke Blue Devils defeated Kentucky in the semifinals of the NCAA Final Four and won their back-to-back championship, second year in a row. But it wasn't in this game that this magic moment happened. 2.1 seconds.
repeated as NCAA champions since UCLA did it in 1973. You know, one of the things I've seen Duke do in the past in situations like this is try for the quick pass to half court and call a quick timeout so they can get in better shooting range. There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. about a quick pass to half court. But with people playing behind Christian Leitner. Grant Hill, whose dad was a football player and scored on a halfback pass two days after he was born, finds Christian Leitner with a 50-foot pass and he puts it in from 15 for the game winner. In the professional ranks, the Chicago Bulls won their second consecutive NBA title, defeating the Portland Trailblazers, including a memorable first game of the finals from Michael Jordan, who scored 39 points and delivered a shrug as he scored a three-pointer in one of the great moments in NBA Finals history. However, it was Magic Johnson, one of Jordan's Dream Team teammates in Barcelona, who earlier that year at the NBA All-Star Game in Orlando provided a memorable moment of his own, especially after retiring from basketball and shocking the NBA world earlier that season after contracting HIV. Elsewhere in the world of sports, the Toronto Blue Jays became the first franchise outside the United States to win Major League Baseball's World Series, defeating the Atlanta Braves in six games. It was a bandwagon season for the Washington professional football team as they won the Super Bowl by walloping the Buffalo Bills in Super Bowl XXVI, the franchise's last championship to date. Daniel Snyder, you cursed wretch. The Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cups in 1992. Alabama won its first NCAA football championship for the first time since Bear Bryant. It was the start of the Bowl Coalition. So instead of split championships, the AP poll, the coaches poll, there was a champion straight shot. Or at least it seemed that way. Into the world of entertainment, 1991's best film decided in 1992 was Silence of the Lambs starring Jodie Foster. Clarice. While the top-grossing film was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Macaulay Culkin, you've done it again. Domestically, it grossed over $136 million. The best album of the year was Unforgettable, with Love, which featured the best record of the year, Unforgettable, by the late Natalie Cole, and a duet of sorts with her father, the legendary Nat King Cole. 
Switching up the order a little bit. Normally we do bursts after the sports, or after the news, I should say. But here are some bursts that came into the world in 1992. Bursts that were made, I should say. NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, came into being in 1992. If you want to know why packages sometimes are in either two or three languages, that's the reason why. Cartoon Network, just think, cartoons 24-7. What a novel concept. That came into being in 1992. Some births in the world of sports. Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars was born in 1992, as was Brazilian soccer star Neymar. And Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving, hello, not Earl Clark, but Kyrie Irving was born in 1992. Formerly LeBron James' teammate with the Cleveland Cavaliers, won a championship with that squad in 2016. Now with the Brooklyn Nets, got Kevin Durant. A lot of entertainment luminaries were born in 92 for the younger generation. Taylor Lautner, who was a karate kid of sorts, I believe was 2000. And he participated in a karate tournament, which was mocked on the show Cheap Seats with the Sklar Brothers. He said, that's his signature move. And one of the Sklar says, I didn't have a signature when I was this kid's age. Or worse to that effect. John Boyega. He played Finn in the recent Star Wars trilogy. Got to see him in The Force Awakens. That's always the Wonder Dog. Sam Smith. He of the English fame. He 2014 shot the family. Stay With Me, an album called In the Lonely Hour. Nick Jonas, one of the Jonas Brothers, was born in 92, as was Miley Cyrus. What happened to her? Don't answer that. Man, I'll tell you what, the Disney class of the early aughts was born in 92, as were Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, were also born in 92, Emily Osment was also born that year, Haley Joel Osment's sister. And I believe that was it. As there is life, however, there should also be death, and there are some numinaries who passed in 1992. Burt Parks, host of the Miss America pageant for many years. Menachem Begin, he and Anwar Sadat helped uh, broker peace in the Mideast, and unfortunately that fell down the tubes back in the late 70s. Jose Ferrer, Spanish actor. Isaac Asimov, science fiction writer of renown. I, Robot. Benny Hill, one of my favorite comics of all time. Not stand-up comic like Sam Kennison, who also passed in 92 in a car wreck. Of Benny Hill. That was one of my first observances of British culture that I can remember. Give you a little bit of yakety sax right here. Lawrence Welk passed away in 1992. Oh, and and the fall, and the Marlene Dietrich. I heard an episode of Mo Rocca's Mo Bituary's podcast. Mo Rocca's used to be on The Daily Show. Now he's a contributor to CBS Sunday Morning. As a wonderful podcast everybody should check out. He discussed Marlene Dietrich. In fact, it's an excerpt from the audiobook. Talked about Marlene and her contributions during World War II, especially. George Murphy, a big labor leader in the 1960s, met his end in 92. John Cage, an innovative yet controversial musician, as far as I know. Eric Severide, CBS News reporter and commentator, passed in 92. Mary Wells, a forgotten soul songstress of. Motown, I believe. Anthony Perkins, actor. He was in Psycho. Willy Brandt, German Chancellor. Roger Miller, King of the Road. He passed in 92. Went to the great truck stop in the sky. Peyo, part of my childhood. He helped bring the Smurfs into being. He went to that great design studio in the sky in 1992. Sal Magley, an actor. I guess that's it. So with all that out of the way, 
we take it back to 2019 and the main topic of this episode. As I said at the top of this episode, we're nearing what the late Andy Williams once called the most wonderful time of the year. We're getting into the holiday season. We do have Thanksgiving here in the United States, and then it's going to be headlong into the holiday season. Mistletoe and jingle bells and all that sort of thing. And usually, this rivals the summer as one of my big socializing periods. And it can be pretty stressful trying to get people together to share in your holiday festivities outside of family. You think it's stressful enough for somebody off the autism spectrum? Doubly so, it seems, for people like me. Especially this year with all that's been going on in my friend circle. Now, I've put some sources out there and I put to a couple of Facebook groups as to how to address this problem. I'll get to those comments in just a minute. But first, the Autism Society has some things to say about relationships among those in the autism spectrum, or at least four people on the spectrum. And they define friendship in three distinct categories. And I read it off of their website. Personal friendships, according to the Autism Society of America, quote, generally are built on one or more shared interests. Personal friends share their thoughts and feelings as well as experiences. Some people on the autism spectrum tend to be very open, honest, and willing to share themselves with others. Traits close personal friends will value. I've got a few of those in my life, both not only in the capital region, but also away from the capital region. Close personal friends on that topic will stick up for each other in front of others. I got your back, son. Answer questions honestly in a kind way. Help each other when there is a need and enjoy spending time together. I've got those going for me too. Most people, whether neurotypical or on the autism spectrum, only have a few friends who meet this definition of a close personal friend. Same here. This was a biggie here. Casual acquaintances and co-workers, however, might not want to share or be shared with as much. I've got a lot of those, more than I'm willing to let on. They might not be as ready to be open and honest and share personal information about themselves with you, so they feel uncomfortable when you share too much about yourself too soon. Some neurotypicals like to develop friendships slowly. When someone asks you questions about yourself, such as where you were born or went to school or what things you like, they are indicating that they have a possible interest in becoming your friend. That doesn't mean that they will become your friend, only that they're interested in finding out whether the two of you share enough interest to possibly become friends. So this is kind of a vetting out situation we got going here. Got some construction going. I don't know if you could hear it outside the window of Bullet House. There's one, two new houses getting built right across the road. And there goes the school bus. My nephew's probably on that bus. This is my day off work, by the way, as I'm going to have a dentist appointment. Now that you needed to know that, switching days off. But anyway... Back to the lecture at hand. The Autism Society goes on that making friends has less to do with whether people like you than it does with whether you have interests or experiences that are similar to theirs and whether you are also willing to share in their interests that are different from yours. It's easy to lose potential friends if you share more than they want to hear or if you don't give them equal time to share their interests with you. I've been able to make friends since I was about in third or fourth grade or somewhere along those lines was many, many years ago. And I've been able to remain friends with them right on through high school, though we did break up in college, you know, went our separate ways. And even since then with everything in our lives, I have been able to see friends whenever they've known, 
I'm going to be in town, or I know they're going to be in town, I should say. Hello, make me feel great, you know. Old Mushmouth McGee strikes again. And I joined Facebook over 10 years ago. I've been able to reconnect with some of these friends, either face-to-face -face or online. And it's been a bit of a struggle as we hit our mid-30s. We're settling down, having families, raising kids, getting all that whole things ready to go. Close friend of mine recently had his common-law wife, let's just be honest about the nomenclature here, give birth to their first kid. It's going to be hard seeing him going forward with or without a kid. However, I am very lucky to have a fortunate handful with whom I can still talk to whenever I need it, and still communicate with them whenever the need arises. One last bit from the Autism Society before I get to Facebook comments. The Autism Society stresses that it is important to self-advocate, to let others know what makes you happy or uncomfortable. Most neurotypicals are willing to respect these differences if they know about them. If you struggle with verbal communication, you can carry a card in your wallet or purse that explains what you need and share it with others as you choose. I'm lucky to have one person in my life, and that person knows who he is in case he's listening, even though I'm referring to him in the third person, that I've been able to really get serious with him in case there's anything troubling me, which I have, especially this past year. So I'm lucky in that regard. I really don't need to carry a card and present it to him, as he already knows. However, I do have something along those lines in case I get pulled over by the police. I'm driving around. I can just hand him the car and say, all right, well, I don't know if I'm going to get out of the ticket or anything, but still, it's a good thing to have. I'm glad I asked for one when the opportunity arose. So there's that. We're now going to go to Facebook comments right here. I happen to be a member of two autism support groups on Facebook as well as one in real life. I only kept this part of the podcast to the former. There was a third called Thrive with Asperger's and there was a podcast of the same name which abruptly ended sometime last year. The first one is called Embrace ASD Community and the other is called Asperger's Life Support. Oddly enough, a number of people who are in my in real life autism support group are also members of that community as well. I got an invite and I said, why not? I'm going to join. Barbie Insua, that's her name, don't wear it out, of the Embrace ASD community said that in her opinion, Spectrum friends are sweetest and the most fun friends. Can't argue with that in my opinion. Going to the Asperger's Life Support, Jennifer Absher says, I only have friends because of my hubby, husband. The man to whom she's related by marriage and with whom she dwells. I'm not sure how some of that happened. And I don't know what to do most of the time. I'm surprised some of them haven't given up on me. But as long as they don't, I'll do my best in not screwing it up. Strong opinion on that whole deal. Verity Rua said, Access to online community is very valuable to me for friendships and social support. Without it, I wouldn't know any other autistic adults. Same here. No disagreement so far. I'm kind of surprised. Back to the Embrace ASD community. Greg Burns says, I prefer a small number of close friends who I know, all caps, I can trust to a wider group. However, a wider group can help However, a wider group can help evaluate the trustworthiness of individuals. How now, brown cow? 
Russell Westbrook has a wide array of wrestling reels. Greg Burns continues on. Try and make friendship a special interest, but be prepared to have people interrupt you. Give yourself time to recover. I can do groups, but I'm exhausted by the end of the day. And Greg Burns concludes by saying the previous commenter of this group said that she was right. Friends on the spectrum are more understanding. A little concurrence there in that regard. Kevin Hayward, Asperger's Life Support, we're continuing on here. Looking back, much of my own difficulties stemmed from having misconceptions of what friendships are. Actions taken based on those misconceptions and the pursuit of quality and quantity. And finally, Judah Williams said, So much to say, I'm not sure where to begin. Where are you going to be discussing this? Can we listen? I said, Guess what? You're going to be listening to this right now. I'll put this on both groups so you can have a listen to it on there. It's also the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. I'll put the link up there, as I said, at the top of the show. So thanks to everybody in both groups for your comments. There was one person in there, but while I liked his comment, I did not ask for him to have his name be read here on the pod. So thanks to everybody for your support. This is like the first interactive episode I've ever done. 92 episodes. Hard to believe. Before we get to the triumphant return of the Super 6 pigskin picks after last week's forced buy because of the change schedule, there are some other doings in podcast land. First off, as always, the Break It Down show had a handful of episodes since last I spoke, you listened. I forgot to do shout-outs to the last episode, too. My grave apologies for that mistake. Among the number of great shows, Joe Garland talks spying with P.A. Turner. Glenn Zeitz, who defended The Irishman. There's this great movie out. I believe it's on Netflix. You can't see it in theaters with Robert De Niro. I haven't seen it yet. I was too busy watching another Netflix movie called Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Wonderful stuff. And Zach Johnson of Uproxx also was a guest on the Break It Down show. The Sportscasters with Steve Bennett had Jeff Passan, the most recent episode. In fact, so recent it dropped yesterday over the weekend. Jeff Passan of ESPN, ex of Yahoo Sports, and Neil Best talked Mike Francesa and Michael Kay to wrap up the show. Also got to give a sly mention to the previous episode, the first guest of which was Schenectady native Joe Tessator, who now calls Monday Night Football games on ESPN, and was also the lead guy on Holy Moly, this major golf competition show on ABC that aired over the summer. He got to work with Rob Riggle. Greetings from Allentown, Peter Winson. There was a great episode where he took a look at an episode of WWF Superstars from November 3rd, 1990. My mom's 44th birthday. And last but by no means the least, we had the triumphant return of Heidi versus the world after many months absence. So it was great to hear from her again. As for this podcast, you can listen on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts or whatever it's called these days. Give it a good five-star rating, a good write-up. You can also listen on Podbean. You can listen on the TuneIn app, on the Himalaya app, the podcatcher of your choosing. And with all that out of the way, we close with the Super 6 Pigskin Picks, the return thereof. This is where I take six games total from the weekend's college and pro action, though in the former we're getting near the sharp end of the season in that regard. And we got some rivalry games coming up to close out the regular season before we get to all the bowl games, BS, big, and otherwise. 
Let's have a little recap of the records before we get down to business here. Two weeks ago, or whenever that was when last I did it, really, I went 4-1 straight up, but another eh, week against the spread, 2-3, and 1-0 and the over-under. Uh, last week, in what was a clandestine effort, I actually had one of my best weeks ever, both against the number and straight up. 5-1 and one straight up, 4-2 and two against the spread, so... We're back with a 25 and 14 record straight up, 13 and 29 against the spread, over under 2 and 1. And while there's the sound of hammering going on across the road, we're going to hammer the following picks right here. So let's get on to it. Maestro? Alright, we're going to start with college football. We got some rivalry games going here. In fact, all three of these games are rivalry games of one sort or another. We're going to start in the Big Ten, where sixth-ranked Penn State will travel to Columbus to face the second-ranked second, second Ohio State Buckeyes. I've been doing that a lot today. Holy crap. Penn State is licking their wounds after their upset loss two weeks ago against Minnesota. While last week, previously undefeated Minnesota lost to Iowa. So using the transitive property, Minnesota beat Penn State. Iowa beat Minnesota. So, therefore, I'm going to pick the Buckeyes to beat Penn State straight up. By the way, the rankings I do here are as of today, Monday the 18th of November. I told you I was going to record this in parts. And the college football rankings will be out tomorrow night. So, look for those rankings to change, but not the picks. Second of all, we're going to go to South Bend, Indiana. It's the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, 18th ranked. Hosting the Eagles of Boston College in the Frank Leahy Memorial Bowl. Notre Dame's had themselves a heck of a season. Looked primed for a college football playoff spot, but that's not going to be happening. BC, eh, not much you can say about them. I'm going to take Notre Dame plus the points. And finally, we go out to the West Coast. It's the victory bell on the line between UCLA and USC, Southern Cal. As I said earlier, the victory bill is up for grabs this year, but unfortunately, in recent years, this rivalry has rung hollow. See what I did there? Mainly because the Pac-12 has been stinking on ice. So on that note, take USC straight up. And now, we go to the National Football League. Stop the hammering. Who's got a hammer out there? Where is it? Stop the hammering. Okay, without any further interruption, let's get to the NFL picks. We start with a Thursday night tussle. It's the Houston Texans hosting the Indianapolis Colts, who are off the deck now after their upset loss to Miami two weeks ago. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans, coming off the bye week, they're reeling. They've been without J.J. Watt for a good deal of the year. So factoring all that into account... I'm going to say the Colts plus three and a half with the upset. In the second contest, it's going to be out in the West Coast, San Francisco. The 49ers hosting the Green Bay Packers. The 49ers' great season with former Tom Brady understudy Jimmy Garoppolo at the helm continues the pace, including a win against Arizona last Sunday. This is a short West and a short rest. Hello. Elmer <laughs> Fudd here. Anyway... San Francisco is going to be on short rest. Meanwhile, the Packers are coming off a bye week. Still chugging along there in Wisconsin. In the frozen tundra of Lambeau. 
but they won't be at Lambeau Field. They'll be in Northern California. It's going to be a close game. The line is three in favor of San Francisco. I'm going to take the Niners plus the points. Finally, and I mean that, it's Monday Night Football. The LA Rams, who played in a snooze fest last Sunday night, will be playing host to the Baltimore Ravens. I've said it before and I'll say it many more times again, Lamar Jackson is an absolute beast. He really put a whooping on the Houston Texans single-handedly, it seems, with a 41-7 win for the Ravens. They've won seven on the bounce. Meanwhile, the Rams looked average for the most part. Now, granted, they were facing the Chicago Bears and the injured Mitchell Trubisky. But still, the NFC champions have been playing anything but, or look like it anyway. So, taking all that into account, it's Market 8, Big Lebowski style, as in eight games in a row. I'm taking Baltimore plus the points. So, to recap, Ohio State straight up against Penn State. Notre Dame plus the 19 points against Boston College. Southern Cal straight up over UCLA. Andy with the upset over Houston, three in the hook. San Francisco plus three over Green Bay. And Ravens minus three against the Rams. And that will do it for this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast with a somewhat unnecessary dramatic pause right in the middle. I thank you all as ever for listening. Next week, TK Jingle special for Thanksgiving. So look forward to that. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, as always, and above all else, wait for it. Wait for it. Keep smiling. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Sit, boo-boo, sit. Good dog. (laughs) Stop the hammering out there. Who's got a hammer? Where is it? Where's the hammer? Is it on the... Go up on the other floor. Somebody go up there and stop the hammering. Stop the hammering.